Good morning. It's good to see everybody. Uh, I haven't done this in a little while, so it might be a little rusty, but uh, I'm happy to, to be able to speak with you guys this morning. I'm, I'm Frank Bob. Most of you know me. If you don't, um, we'll get to know each other. <laughs> um, I'd like to start by thanking uh, Deanna Lack from the UU Congregation in Cookville. Uh, many of my words this morning come from her excellent sermon on manifestation and letting go. I found it on her blog and I contacted her and she was very gracious to let me use some of her words and is also interested in visiting us since she's in our uh, close neighbor. also want to thank Erica Hewitt from the UUA Worship Web for her words on the burning bowl ceremony that we'll get to later. Uh, there are also some other excellent sources I use, but I'll cite those along the way. Question, how do we bring more of what we want into our lives and let go of the things we don't want? In other words, how do we direct change? In some pagan and New Age circles, this concept is discussed, sometimes using the term manifesting. You may have heard that term before. The language entered the mainstream about 15 years ago with the popularity of The Secret and Abraham Hicks' message about the law of attraction. The concept is, if you ask for something and you focus on it without fear about it not happening, without framing it in a negative, like, I don't wanna get sick, then it will happen. Because of your focus, you are attracting what you wish, by doing this, you can heal your sickness, you can be rich, you can have whatever you want. Needless to say, the concept was wildly popular. It still is. It got celebrity endorsements, and its proponents made millions explaining to people, sometimes claiming to channel otherworldly entities, how to ask for things so that you get them. The problem is that when the wishes fail to come true, people who prayed to God to make something happen or expected the universe to provide wonder whether the fault might be in them. So is it true? Can we wish our futures into existence? Well, like most things, there's a, there's a grain of truth in it. What you focus on, you will draw to you. But maybe it's not because of some universal magic, or maybe it is, but most often, you don't get what you want just because you wished for it. That's much more likely to work, of course, if you're someone who is rich, white, and privileged in the first place. But when we give something our attention, it does make us more likely to look for connections, relationships, and opportunities that will draw those things to us. It makes us more likely to put our efforts into making the thing happen. And if there's some universal law at work, so much the better. But the need for the work doesn't go away. You still have to show up every day to make the thing happen. But sometimes we get blocked. We get in our own way with negative self-talk, or fear of taking the next step, or failing, or lack of faith in ourselves, or lack of a support from those close to us, or any number of reasons. So the first question I wanna ask you is this. What do you want to manifest? What do you want to be the focus of your year? What do you wanna to draw to you or accomplish in 2023? Put another way, what is the one activity that you know if you did superbly well and consistently would have significant positive results in your life. And the obvious follow-up question is, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> Put more poetically by Mary Oliver, what are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? So secondly, ask yourself this, what is holding you back? What pain are you holding in your heart that it would be better, that it would, it would better serve you to let go? As you ponder this, bear in mind that not all pain should be let go just yet. 
sometimes we need to hold it and love it until it is ready to depart on its own. The Buddha liked lists. One of the lists he gave us was the five hindrances. He identified them as five mental states that hinder us in meditation and in our daily lives. For some of these things, we don't have direct translations in English, so I thought I'd give them some attention. The first hindrance is something trans sometimes translated as greed, sometimes sensual desire. I like to think of it as grasping or clinging. We humans don't like change, and yet all things change. Sometimes we cling to things out of habit or fear of sacrificing comfort, but those very things might be what is holding us back. They, even, they may even be relationships sometimes, or they may be attachment to things. Maybe we can't clear space in our mental lives because we have too much literal clutter in our houses, but we cling to those physical possessions for one reason or another. The second hindrance is aversion, and it is the flip side of the first. We cling to good experiences, pleasant sensations, and the other side of that coin is we often push away what we have judged as bad or negative, or things that are unpleasant. In doing this, we often lose a valuable lesson. One I'd like to share is when I began meditating, every time I took a breath, one of the vertebrae in my neck would click. Every inhale, breathe in, click, breathe out. Breathe in, click, breathe out. It drove me insane. No, this, is, this is not me, but this is, this is uh, our, our friend uh, Deanna. But I can relate as a, as a meditator. He's had other annoying things happen. Uh, it drove me insane. I could not focus on my breath or being present because of that damned click. So I went online because I figured I can't be the first person I've dealt with this. How do I get rid of it? And somewhere in the middle of all my online searching, I suddenly realized sitting with this thing is no different than sitting with leg pain or sitting with grief. You allow the experience, thank it for what it has to teach you, and let it be. The crazy thing was, it seems likely that I was causing the click because of some tension somewhere, because when I took this advice, it quite often stopped happening. And that's true of aversion in a lot of cases. When we push something away, when we are saying to ourselves, I hate this, I can't stand it, we are giving it attention and still holding it just in a different way. The third hindrance is sloth or torpor. These are translated pretty accurately, but I think you get the idea. A good phrase for this is mind over mattress. Often, <laughs> often we have so much resistance to something, say for example exercising or getting started on a cleaning project, that when we get started, we realize, well, the getting started was 90% of the battle. The fourth hindrance is restlessness, anxiety, and worry. Oh boy, <laughs> I know all about those. I don't have to explain to you what these are, and if you ever had an anxiety attack or worried about something, you know what I mean when I call it a hindrance. For a Buddhist, the answer to these things is the same as the answer to all the others. Sit with it, let it be. In our modern day, we often identify too much with things. We say, I am depressed, or I am anxious. I want you to try asking yourself and watching your language and stop, try to stop being the things that are hindering you. Say instead, perhaps, I am feeling anxious. And then, if you can make space for it, 
Sit and ask why you might feel depressed or anxious. This is not to say that you should not get help for these things if you need it. If this is a chronic problem for you, professional help is most likely needed. The fifth hindrance is doubt. Hindering doubt is not the same as questioning doubt. Questioning doubt leads us to greater understanding. Hindering doubt is occasionally failing to trust those who have our backs, but most often hindering doubt is self-doubt. Fear of failure, failing to trust ourselves, wondering if we're strong enough to deal with something. So I want to tell you, not only are you strong enough, but you are enough in every way. Now I want to take a moment here to practice a little meditation from a Buddhist teacher I really like, Jack Kornfield. Some of you might be familiar with him. So these are uh, Jack Kornfield's words here, but if you'll indulge me, I think this will be helpful. The art of living wisely requires us to learn to let go. But how can we do so? Sometimes we need more love or forgiveness. This teaching and meditation will help show the way. Letting go does not mean losing the knowledge we have gained from the past. The knowledge of the past stays with us. To let go is simply to release any images and emotions, grudges and fears, clingings and disappointments that bind our spirit. Like emptying a cup, letting go leaves us free to receive, refreshed, sensitive, and awake. To practice letting go, let yourself sit comfortably and quietly. Seems like we're all doing that. Relax into the ground of the present for several, several moments. So if you'd like to do this with me, my recommendation, uh, sit in a comfortable posture as you are, Try to feel the pressure of your body on the seat where you're sitting. If your feet are touching the ground, take a moment to feel your feet touching the ground and let yourself breathe as naturally as you possibly can, meaning try not to force the breath. Just let the breath go. Okay, now... Bring into awareness any story, situation, feelings, and reactions that it is time to let go of. So again, any story, situation, or feelings, or reactions that you feel it is time to let go of. See if you can name them gently. Perhaps the words betrayal, sadness, anxiety. Allow them space to be, to float without resistance, held in a heart of compassion. Continue to breathe. Feel the unhappiness that comes from holding on. Ask yourself, do I have to continue to replay this story? Do I have to hold on to these losses, these feelings? Is it time to let this go? 
the heart will know. Ask yourself if it is indeed wise to release this holding. Feel the benefit, the ease that will come from letting this go. Now, begin to say to yourself, let go, let go. Gently, over and over. Soften the body. Soften the heart. Let any feelings that arise drain out of you like water draining out of a tub. Let the images go, the beliefs, the self-righteousness, the unworthiness. Let it all go. Feel the space that comes as you let go. How the heart releases and the body opens. Now, direct the mind to envision the future where this circumstance has been released. Since the freedom, the innocence, the ease that this letting go can bring. Say to yourself, let go, several more times. Sit quietly and notice if the feelings return. If they return, and each time they return, breathe softly as if to bow to them and say kindly, I've let you go. These images and feelings may come back many times as you continue to practice, they will eventually fade. Gradually the mind will come to trust the space of letting go. Gradually the heart will be easy and you will be free. Coming back now to the room, that is a very powerful meditation from Jack Cornfield, and I highly encourage you to try it when these feelings come up. If they didn't right now, eventually they will. Returning to our theme now of how to manifest something that we want in our lives and letting go of something else to make room for it, I want to read another wise Buddhist teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh's words about impermanence. He says, impermanence makes everything possible. We are often sad and suffer a lot when things change, but change and impermanence have a positive side. Thanks to impermanence, everything is possible. Life itself is possible. If a grain of corn is not impermanent, it can never be transformed into a stalk of corn. If the stalk were not impermanent, it can never provide us with the ear of corn we eat. If your daughter were not impermanent, she cannot grow up to become a woman. Then your grandchildren would never manifest. So instead of complaining about impermanence, we should say, warm welcome and long live impermanence. We should be happy. When we can see the miracle of impermanence, our sadness and suffering will pass. Impermanence should also be understood in the light of interbeing, because all things inter are. They are constantly influencing one another. 
It is said that a butterfly's wings flapping on one side of the planet can affect the weather on the other side. Things cannot stay the same because they are influenced by everything else, everything that is not itself. Some words from Thich Nhat Hanh. When we think about manifesting things in our lives, it is important to spend some time thinking less about, I want this, not that, and more about how can this become that? Our lives are not a series of switches to be flipped. I no longer want this, I want more of that, but instead, we are all living on a continuum of interbeing and interbecoming. Going back again to Thich Nhat Hanh, he says, looking deeply into a box of matches, you can see the flame. The flame has not manifested, but as a mediator, you can see the flame. Sorry, as a meditator, you can see the flame. All the conditions are sufficient for the flame to manifest. There is wood, sulfur, a rough surface, in my hands. So when I strike the match and the flame appears, I would not call that the birth of a flame. I would call that a manifestation of a flame. The Buddha said that when conditions are sufficient, you manifest yourself. When conditions are no longer sufficient, you stop manifesting in order to manifest in other forms with other conditions. It's from Thich Nhat Hanh's book, No Death, No Fear. So, what are we going to do with this? So, I, what I would like to do, I'd like to close my talk this morning by inviting you to participate in a ceremony that many UU congregations take part in at the beginning of the year. The burning bowl ritual is designed to help us let go of things that are no longer serving us. Your participation is completely optional, but I think you will find the practice beneficial if you give it a try. The new year calls us forward, filled with mystery. As we turn toward that new year, we take a final glimpse of the past year and reckon with all that it held for us. In just a moment, I'm gonna pass out with some helpers, some little pieces of paper, and uh, I think we have some colored pencils. You're gonna take the piece of paper and you're gonna reflect on the year behind you Consider what you might leave behind today, burning it brightly so that it changes form and disappears. What parts of our lives, what things, ideas, people, ways of living have become obstacles to our becoming the people we want to be, the people we need to be? What's holding you back? What's getting in the way of you living as fully as you'd like to? What might you burn away? What will you relinquish? In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to write a word or two on the paper. Nobody will see it except you, the flame, and the universe. After a few moments, I will then invite you to follow me outside to the front of the building, where we will burn each paper safely in a, in a small bowl. So as this happens, I want you to think about some things, okay? The flames will take your paper very quickly. As flame takes the paper, let it go. The fire will do the rest. If the past year held joy and growth for you, may that sweetness continue to bless you. If the past year held pain and bitterness, may you be relieved of those burdens and renewed for the journey ahead. Let us look to the new with hope, with curiosity about its many unknowns, and with faith in our strength to navigate it with grace. <laughs>